y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode, number 315, I'm bringing back our favorite boy expert, counselor, author, speaker, David Thomas. I think we need to be that clear with boys. I think it's always helpful, not just in this conversation, in any conversation with boys, when we use concrete language with them, when we're concise, clear, and concrete. Those kind of three rules of thumb we can consistently be adopting. The mistake that I think we can make is we kind of soft pedal and dance around things. My go-to resource in parenting my four boys is David Thomas's book, Wild Things. And so I was thrilled when I had him on five years ago to talk about the art of nurturing boys. You can find that episode 119 in our show notes. Go listen to that one if you haven't ever heard David. He's a counselor up in Nashville, Tennessee at the Daystar Counseling Center. And his coworker, Sissy Goff, recently came on the show She and he both came on the show in 2017 to talk about their book, Are My Kids on Track and Emotional Milestones, another great episode we've linked to in the show notes. Today, he is answering your questions, things about how to handle the, I I said, David, I just want peace. So how do we handle the intensity, both physically and just uh, the chaos of having boys? We also talk about how do we help them be vulnerable? How do we help our boys take ownership. And we talk so long that I have a bonus episode I'm going to release later this week, a little 10 minutes on boys and screen times. I know that's been something we've been struggling with, particularly with the pandemic. So we'll release that later this week. But today, I can't wait to share it with you. I know David is such an encouragement to me. So wise, does daily work with families of boys. Let's get right to it. Here we go. David. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. It is an honor to be with you. I've missed talking with you. Thanks for having me back. Well, I couldn't believe when I Googled it, it had been five years. I can't believe that either. I Did swear. I do anything wrong the first time I was there that I need <laughs> no. to do different this time? No, but you came back with Sissy. And so I think that in my mind, and then I've seen you in person, uh, just five years that we had talked about. My boys Let's are- Let's not do that again. No. No. Oh my gosh, five years, my son will be 20. Five more years. 20. That feels impossible. Right? A lot of stages between 10 and 20, like when we last talked. A lot 10. of stages. How are you holding out? <laughs> <laughs> you if know, I do the math on that, that means you are smack dab in the middle of the wanderer stage. Oh, is that what that is? I feel like friends of mine that have gone a little bit ahead of me, Around 14, leading into 15, sophomore year of high school, it's a little challenging. What is that, the wanderer? That is a wanderer, and it is indeed challenging. Okay. So each of my boys, like you know, is very different. And this one, I think what's challenging in a pandemic and our schools, you had to switch schools in the, you know, in the midst of it, is creating new friendships in the midst of that and not being a risk taker or, you know, some of our boys are just like in our face and combative. I felt like around 10 or 11, he's not that. 
So the challenge is more like helping an introvert in a pandemic connect with people. Wow. That's a lot. Just hearing you pack all that together. That's a lot. And I think changing schools is a lot for any kid on a good day under the best of circumstances, but in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. How are you holding out? (laughs) You're going to counsel me. Uh, No, I, I think I have those freak out moments like where you don't go to sleep and you're like, is everything okay? And I have to keep looking like he's seemingly okay. Like he seems happy. So I have to lean in and trust that and not try to orchestrate. I'm not the social manager at this age, but are you seeing, are you having parents? I remember you saying there were surges at four and 14 testosterone surges. Yes. With the pandemic, are you seeing like what demographics are showing up in your mm. office? All of you know, interestingly enough, all ages and and unique challenges as every one of us would know and suspect would be there. Obviously, parents of littles struggling greatly with how in the world do we do our job from home now, and we don't have childcare, and these kiddos need a lot of oversight and supervision and support. And then hearing parents of adolescents say they can't connect with peers and they're spending way too much time in their rooms on a device and unique challenges specific to stages of development. But I think what I would say is the common denominator is every family is struggling in some way. And I just don't think I could say that enough. Whatever you're seeing on Instagram or hearing on different platforms, every family is struggling in some way and unique to their kids as you and I are discussing stage of development, temperament. There are a lot of things unique to family circumstances that could make that more or less, but it's a part of where I'm super grateful we're having this conversation right now in the middle of it because as families have never struggled more, I don't think they've ever needed support more. So thank you for opening up the opportunity for us to talk around some really important things today. And boys uniquely are walking through this. You had shared a video about how anxiety in boys shows up as anger. Yes. Talk to us about that. Like, how do we support our boys when it just feels like they are coming at us with that kind of emotion, which they may not have been, quote unquote, an angry kid before? Yeah. And here's something important to note on the front side. I've I've talked with a lot of parents of boys who've said, I don't think he's that bothered by the pandemic, or I don't necessarily see evidence of where it's affecting him all that much. You know, with adolescent boys, the assumption could be, and I've heard a lot of parents say, like, he's kind of loving having more time on a screen and right. not having to race out the door in the morning if he's doing virtual learning, those kind of things. And with young boys, I'll hear parents say things like, you know, we're not watching the news when he's awake. He's not fully aware of what's going on. I just would challenge any parent listening of a boy of any age. I think we'll serve him best when we assume he's absorbing more of what's going on than we realize rather than less. And if he happens to be in that small percentage who's absorbing less, then what a great mark to miss. But generally speaking, I think we're missing the mark of assuming he's not as impacted because he doesn't talk as frequently about his experience in life. And so we're kind of operating under that assumption and missing some things with boys. And a great example being the one you named of anxiety is an easy one to miss on any given day. Anxiety and depression, because when we think about our traditional understanding of anxiety, it's 
worry. It's kind of making the world smaller. And generally speaking, boys are going to look less worried and fearful and kind of making their world smaller and more angry and oftentimes explosive. I've had so many parents over the years say, he's not anxious. He's just so angry. And we've got to look under the hood at what's really going on with depression. We think about our traditional definition of depression is based more on what it looks like with adult females. So we think about someone who is sad and lethargic and having difficulty being motivated and taking steps forward. It can look that way with boys. It more oftentimes is going to look like a low-grade irritability. I had a mom say to me one time, it's just like he's chronically mad all the time. Like he just wakes up in a bad mood on the wrong side of the bed and he goes to bed in that space. And so certainly hear me say, even as we're talking about the wanderer stage, a bit of that could feel true within just that stage of development and can make it hard sometimes to kind of sift through, all right, what feels like the angst of adolescence versus what feels like it might be some anxiety or depression. And my rule of thumb there for any parent listening, if you feel unsure, if you've got some questions in your mind and it's hard to categorize the observations, my challenge to you would be when in doubt, table the conversation, whether that's in a well visit with your pediatrician, whether that's in a consultation with someone who has uh, expertise in development. We do a lot in our practice of what we call parent consultations. It's like a well visit where we're just asking some questions. Parents are sharing observations and we're kind of circling around some questions, concerns, observations, and defining, is that normal? Does that sound like development or does that sound like something more? And if it is something more, let's make a plan of action and how we want to respond to that. So if you're in doubt, put some other eyes on that. We don't have to just wonder. But back to the presentation, that's where I think it can easily get missed. Another place, Heather, that I find it's missed is a lot of boys. I've seen countless boys over the years who have been labeled or identified as having attention deficit. And really, it's anxiety because anxious boys in a classroom setting can look distracted. You know, for any one of us, when our brain is hijacked by worry, We don't have as much room to focus on the things we want to focus on. So they can look distracted, restless, like they're daydreaming in the classroom. They can, even boys who've traditionally been somewhat on top of their game can all of a sudden seem more disorganized and forgetting assignments. That can be a benchmark of anxiety. And again, where it just doesn't present in the more classic ways that we understand it. So while we've got to lean in a little bit farther in terms of understanding and what I call decoding boys. So for that example, the ADD versus or ADHD versus anxiety, would you just see a professional and they would do a diagnose, a traditional diagnosis to kind of differentiate? Okay. That would always be my preference rather than just let's assume it's this and let's go chasing. I mean, the obvious concern would be I've seen boys who were not only mislabeled, but were medicated for attention deficit who not only were they not getting the full benefit of accurate treatment from anxiety, but they were being given a medication we wouldn't treat anxiety with. And so, oh, right. yes, we just we just absolutely want to make sure we have clear understanding of, of what's at play. And we have a, so many great tools and resources at our disposal in this day and time to accurately assess what's going on. I tend to say to parents... You know, it's a bit like if you were at the park with your son, he fell off a slide, came running to you, holding his arm and said, you know, was crying. It's hurting. It's hurting. And you had difficulty even trying to kind of touch and see if you felt anything that felt broken or is it just bruised? You know, any wise doctor 
is going to do an x-ray mm-hmm. if we show up with that presentation in office because we don't want to put a bruised arm in a cast and we certainly don't want to put want to put a broken arm in a sling so what a gift that we have so many tools at our disposal in this day and age that are like an x-ray where we can accurately define what's at play with a young man so we don't misdiagnose so that we don't head down a wrong direction and can support him in the best ways possible I like that analogy. Very good. So some of the moms that I asked for questions of, a couple of them said, I want to be able to help my son develop language around emotions. I mean, even as adults, my husband and I are learning that having gone through a 12-step program and process groups of like, what am I actually feeling? Because tired is not an emotion and overwhelm is fear. Like, what am I feeling? And they want to have these conversations at home with their boys, but they're finding a couple of things. One, they're having a hard time, you know, do they, how much do they share of themselves in front of their kids? And then the other is boys that really don't want to be vulnerable or even lean into that. What's the best way to train a boy to talk about emotional language? It's a great question. And, and one that I'm being asked on a really regular basis in my office. So it thrills me that you're tabling that question for our conversation today. Let me first speak to the first part of your question uh, about disclosure. I think there is always some room and space for us to be talking about our experience so that boys have an opportunity to see that emotions reside in the life of a grown-up. Now, obviously, we're going to follow some rules of thumb in that we want to make sure we aren't working something through on our kids that would be a conversation better served to have with a friend or therapist or trusted source and certainly want it to be age appropriate. I would challenge parents listening that, you know, for boys in particular, they need to see that emotions reside in the life of a man. So I I really want to challenge dads to do the work they need to do to develop the skills so that they can model that in a helpful, healthy way. We talk in our book, Are My Kids on Track?, about how we can only take the kids we love as far as we've gone ourselves. So any man listening, any woman listening who's married to a man who struggles in the space, you make me the bad guy in saying that we have to develop those skills so that we can offer that over to the boys we love. And that would be kind of my first response to the disclosure piece. I would say in terms of getting boys to talk, quite honestly, I think the largest percentage of boys struggle in that space. Mm -hmm. And so because that's so universal, I really want to come at that from a place of education first and support second. And by education, I mean, and this may shock some people to hear, but... I think it's really great when we just name it, when we call it what it is. And, and you know, certainly I would love it when dads could lead this conversation, but I think moms can. I think it's great when dads can sit with their sons and say, okay, here's the deal. We as males kind of instinctively go inward and then it comes out sideways. Like that tends to be the path for a large majority of men in this world. And as boys grow and develop, certainly as they get into early and mid-adolescence, we can have even more honest conversations with them like, You know, I talk with boys about the reality that men lead the scariest statistics in our world. Men lead the stats around suicide. Men lead the stats around infidelity, substance abuse. I mean, I could run down the list of the scariest places that men go in an attempt to try and numb and avoid whatever it is that they're experiencing. So we go inward. It comes out sideways, sometimes in really destructive ways. So we're going to have to work against that natural bent 
all throughout life. And so that's some of the education piece. And I think we need to be that clear with boys. I think it's always helpful, not just in this conversation, in any conversation with boys, when we use concrete language with them, when we're concise, clear, and concrete, those kind of three rules of thumb, we can consistently be adopting. The mistake that I think we can make is we kind of soft pedal and dance around things. (laughs) In fact, Heather, can I give you a fun example? Please. I often have parents you know, in my office who are bringing a boy to counseling for the first time who said, I've been trying to talk with him about how helpful counseling has been for me. And don't you think it would be good to talk with someone? Uh, Oftentimes, I think moms in particular, and I very much understand why you would say something like that. And and I don't want you to hear me saying that's bad to say. I just don't think it's clear Mm. and concrete for boys. (laughs) I also think that most boys, and I'm going to be crass for a moment if you'll allow me, I think most boys view counseling the way adult men view a colonoscopy. I really do. Like, <laughs> I think we all know it's a good idea and the right thing to do, but no one really wants to do it. No. You know, it's Especially invasive. the not eating part before. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> None it, of it's fun. No. None and the other is comparison fun. is it's invasive yeah. and uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. I think counseling is for boys. So rather than trying to sell it or spin it or convince him, like, let's just be clear and concrete. Hey, buddy, here's the reason we got to get this down. Males go inward and it comes out sideways. So we're going to be working at that your whole life. And the good news is two layers. Like we've all got stuff we need to work on. Like I think it's no different than girls, not all girls, but many girls can bend in their own directions that aren't as constructive, like pettiness or exclusivity or being obsessed with appearance. And so they've got areas they need to work on. We've got areas we need to work on. Every one of us, unique to temperament, we've got areas we need to work on. So we're going to be about how to train ourselves to work against that path and move in a different direction and, you know, see it no different than weight training. You know, that's good for building muscles of the body. We're going to be weight training for the heart too. Like that's, that's important work. I would even argue it's some of the most important work that we could do on behalf of boys and the adolescent young men in our care. Y'all. My spring FabFitFun box came in the mail and it made me so happy with all, I mean, Dallas is experiencing winter, this prolonged winter. And so I was thrilled to get so many fun products. And when I was looking through it, I realized they have 20 female founded brands. And for all you boy moms listening to this episode, I don't know about you, but when I have all this testosterone around me all the time, I kind of just want to feel girly. Getting my seasonal FabFitFun box does just that. I'm telling you, y'all. One of the things I got in this box is an Alice and Olivia bag. It is so cute. It has daisies on it. My favorite part is on the zipper. It's a little gal with her hair up and sunglasses and red lips. Love it. I also received some Josie Marin Argon Oil that I've been putting on my face since it's so dry, trying to get ready for spring. And I've loved... Love, love this cocoa floss tropical trio. I'm not a big fan of flossing, but for some reason, because this floss is flavored fruity, I'm willing to do it. If you want to check it out and order your spring box today, you can sign up and get amazing products like this Alice and Olivia bag, the tropical trio cocoa floss, and the Josie Marin Argon oil when you customize. Just use your coupon code DMA. 
10, that's a DMA for Don't Mom Alone, 10 for $10 off your first box over at www.fabfitfun.com. So use that coupon code DMA10 to get $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. And we've done episodes, y'all, on adults like working through 12-step and emotional language and feelings charts and all the things. It's even as adults to support each other in that work. I found it in our small group to be super helpful. And so um, we can put that link in the show notes if you're looking for more support for yourself so that you can model that for your kids. Another thing that moms brought up, David, is how do we help our boys? And I don't know if this is a generational thing, like right now, children these days are dealing with it or a boy specific thing. So you're going to have to help me. It's to accept ownership when they make mistakes, that it's okay to be wrong and not defensive or in denial of a mistake. I would say, I think it is a very boy specific thing. And I'll speak a little more to that in a moment. But I would also argue that I think you're on target and suspecting that there's probably a bit more of that with current generations. And we could have a whole conversation about the why of that. But I believe it's so boy specific that in Are My Kids on Track, we define four emotional, four social and four spiritual milestones that we want to see kids progressing toward throughout development. And one of the social milestones is actually ownership. Mm. And it is so much a problem that I wanted to devote an entire chapter to that because I talk with so many parents of boys who struggle in that space. And so what the research tells us is that in the face of failure or disappointment, girls more often, again, there are exceptions to every rule, but girls tend to blame themselves. Think about the commercial. You may have trying to remember what the company was, but there was a commercial with women in all different contexts, like on the subway, in the workplace, with their uh, spouses over-apologizing for things they didn't need to. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, even when they sat down on a bench and actually touched someone's shoulder, which everyone does when they sit in a crowded subway in New York City. But it was a great snapshot of that phenomena for females. Yeah. Boys, males tend to go the opposite direction. We do more blaming. We point the finger out. And yeah. I would say to moms listening, the most vulnerable target for that blame is you. You know, the research would tell us boys more instinctively blame their mothers. I even opened the chapter with <laughs> the story of one of my sons who I think was no more than five years old at the time, walked into the kitchen, approached my wife who was rinsing dishes at the sink and said, what did you do with my soccer cleats? <laughs> and I remember just freezing in that moment and thinking, wow, that early on, it was that instinctive to ask the question in that way. Nothing in him thought to say, have you seen my soccer cleats? Mm. Do you know where I left them? Mm. Yeah. It was, where did you put them? And mm -hmm. so I share that story, again, innocent five-year-old boy, but it's that instinctive. So we're going to have to, again, be training in that direction. And I think... We do that well, again, with that clear, concrete information. Hey, we've been this direction. Girls been a little more this direction. We're gonna, girls are going to have to really train themselves in the direction of not owning things that aren't theirs to own. And we're going to have to train ourselves in the direction of making sure we're paying good attention to what is ours to own. And so I talk within that chapter about how boys swing between blame and shame. So it's either yeah. someone else's fault or I'm such an idiot. They go 
can go straight mm-hmm. to self-contempt and that healthy middle space of just acknowledging, you know what, I made a mistake, I blew it. And then figuring out from there what comes next. Like, do I need to repair the relationship? Do I need to clean up some mess? One of the directions I encourage parents to go with boys who are really stuck in that space is asking them some questions like, what was your contribution? Hmm. What was your part? Tell me your part. What do you think the other person was experiencing? They're just going to struggle more with paying attention to. I love that you talked about recovery work. I'm such an advocate. I think if every human in the world would learn to work the steps, like what a healthy world we live in. You know, if we just got down some of the basic principles of acknowledging, I need a higher power. I need God. I need other people. I'm a mess. Like all the these principles that are so valuable, I think not just to healthy living, to godly living too. And so the cleaning up your side of the street is part of that work. And I think it's part of boys developing this social muscle of ownership because I think blame can run so deep. And, and it's fascinating to me all the ways that's permeated our world. Heather, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the years ago, the domestic violence campaign that ran and there were billboards and ads everywhere and the slogan was she made me do it and it was Mm -hmm. built on that idea of how many men who abuse women and then make that statement that that's obviously the some of the deepest most dangerous parts of of that phenomena but obviously we're talking about milder versions of where boys can get stuck in that place of it's always that pointing out we're not enough pointing back at ourselves to pay good attention so yes it's instinctive yes we're going to need to do some good work there And as you're talking about it, and even I was, you know, with your example of the domestic abuse, I was thinking about how that blame, shame, not taking ownership impacts the sibling interactions. Yes. So, you know, in our house, it's like we have one who can go into fight or flight very quickly. His window of tolerance is very, very slim. And so if he gets frustrated and goes into fight and hits the brother, it's completely justified because the other brother X, Y, and Z, which quote unquote made him do it. Not I have control over my body and I know it's wrong to hit. And even though I'm annoyed by your actions and you didn't do what I asked or whatever it is, I am choosing not to hit you. Um, And then I can only imagine if you have a male and a female sibling, which you've parented, having twin boys and a girl, the difference in that ownership causing conflict. Oh, yes. I can't tell you often I sit with parents of both genders who, you know, describe the phenomena we just, the picture we just painted happening in their household and where younger or older sisters will in those moments take on more responsibility. Even I've had so many parents over the years say, you know, my our daughter will interrupt me disciplining him and say, it's okay. You know what? Maybe I did, you know, starting to take responsibility that's not hers within the exchange. And so seeing it play out exactly as you're describing, even between siblings, I think for moms listening, as you hear me speak to that, I would even challenge you to think about how often you experience or observe struggle with one of your children and you can immediately go to a place whether you say it out loud or not inside your head of just thinking, where have I failed these kids? What mm-hmm. have I done wrong? 
Yep. What have I not done enough? Like just automatically. What podcast did I not listen there to? There it is. What or book, book did, did I, I read? read? Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And so I just, as much as we want to be helping boys develop in that space, we want to be paying attention to that ourselves. Like how often am I stepping into that trap that I'm not even aware that I'm doing it? Yeah. I need to add that into my first chapter of my book, David. It's about <laughs> that. Ownership. How much, how much responsibility do I take? Yeah. So right. what tips do you have? Because moms did ask a lot about brother to brother relationships, boy to female relationships. They want their kids to get along. But given all that we've just talked about with boys and not being aware of their feelings, the the anger, being a dominant one, if they do have a feeling, they're not taking ownership. There's just boundless amounts of conflict yeah. <laughs> available. Right. Just, I love peace, David. I love it. And it, it just feels like there's a lot of chaos most days yes. in our home. Well, and let's break that down because I'd love to talk about the conflict of the chaos. And then if we could, I'd love to also talk about the energy of the chaos. And I think those are two different categories, but overlap with one another. And let's start with a conflict. And I always think this, when I speak to a boy's social development, it could sound a bit discouraging (laughs) at first, I think for moms in particular, but stay with me because I want it to sound, I, I want it to be encouraging in ways that I think it can. But at the end of the day, you know, our social development, just like so many threads of development, it's just going to look very different. And generally speaking, again, exceptions to every rule, but I think boys are more clumsy in their social development, like the way they develop the social muscles. It's just a lot messier. Oftentimes it's not as neat and tidy and polite and, um, so many things. And so I, I, much like all threads of his development, but I think that's important to know because it is so different. It will at times feel problematic in ways that it's not. And Michael Thompson wrote a great book, psychologist wrote a great book years ago about kids' social development, both genders called Best Friends, Worst Enemies. And I like the title because I think it even speaks to the messiness of it. And, you know, he right out of the gate is going to talk about with boys like they're going to fight hard and forgive easily. And it's quite honestly, the forgive easily is one of my favorite things about boys. Their capacity to bounce back within the context of relationships is pretty extraordinary. And I don't find that generally speaking to be a place where boys struggle as much with lingering and resentment and holding on to grudges for long periods of time. Some can obviously, but not as much has been my experience. And so that brothers or best friends could just go at each other one day and be right back in sync not just the next day, the next hour. I mean, I mm-hmm. moms tell me stories of brothers going at it and then they're outside jumping on the trampoline 30 minutes later and talking and enjoying each other. So I do love that capacity for boys. And I think it speaks to kind of the clumsiness of their conflict at times. Now, I think some of the conflict is rooted in the conversation, we can talk more about those weaker emotional muscles and his getting roadblocked and how to work through strong feelings. We'll come back to that. But I would love to speak to the energy piece for a minute because I think sometimes that's the primary ingredient in the mix. And, you know, I I know we would have likely talked some in my first episode because I almost never want to miss a chance to talk about a boy's energy, his physicality, because it's so much a part of who he is and explains a lot of where he struggles or we can get roadblocked in our journey with him. So 
you know, it just feels important to note real quick again, like if we just look at his basic hardwiring, the way that God made him, the female's brain is going to secrete more serotonin, which is directly related to impulse control. She's got advanced abilities to regulate herself that he doesn't. The brainstem in the male houses more spinal fluid. Another part of what makes him so physical, I could go on and on and on. Just trust me when I say, and you know, boys are very physical creatures. They have a lot of energy there. I often say they're like puppies, you know, and if you've ever trained a puppy, if you've ever come home after being gone for several hours and let it out of the kennel, (laughs) it doesn't just slowly move across the room and lay down and take a nap. You know, like it's, it's bounding around the room and our objective needs to be, how do I help him work that energy out in a constructive way. So we couldn't be thinking enough about that. And I I speak to that within our conversation about chaos and conflict to say, I think a high percentage of the time I could trace back conflict between siblings, chaos in a household, boys becoming destructive, boys making a mess of things, sometimes because we just haven't gotten enough of the energy out. So you couldn't devote enough time in my mind to being proactive around that, even as we continue to navigate COVID and we just don't have access to all the normal outlets. I loved hearing families tell stories of turning their houses or their rec room or their garage into (laughs) the set of American Ninja Warrior, you know, like whatever (laughs) they we've needed to do in desperate times to create as many constructive outlets as possible. I laugh, Heather, when I you mentioned my twins, I will tell you and anyone who saw us in the airport could testify this in the first six years of my son's life. If we flew ever to see grandparents or go on vacation we would always arrive at the airport at least 30 minutes ahead of when we needed to be there because we would do laps up and down the airport in empty spaces, whatever we need to do. My wife and I used to laugh and say, if we board the plane and we're not sweaty, we failed at our mission. Like (laughs) we need to be sweaty and exhausted to get on the plane or else it's just not going to go well. They can't sit still, buckled in. They're going to be all over the place. We're going to have meltdowns. And so think about that as silly as that story sounds like the whole objective for us was how could we set the stage for more success for him, getting Mm -hmm. some of that energy out so that he can have a better experience. The other thing I'd say to parents, kind of the end point is to the degree that I'm proactive in my posture and thinking in those creative ways, I get an opportunity most oftentimes to be less reactive in the moment. Yeah. I'm not as frustrated with a puppy who is wandering around the house kind of on the last fumes of energy who he's who's not chewing up furniture or shoes or sort of things that I've walked well. You know, it's like yeah. I've done the work I need to. And hear me say, it's work. It's work to create these extra outlets for boys. But I believe the payoff is strong. And I think that's a, an important piece to name as we talk about the chaos, whether it's in conflict or just in our households. It's so good. And I think it was you coming on here five years ago. I mean, maybe we everyone sold out of <laughs> indoor trampolines after you said, get an indoor trampoline. And we had a bounce house in our living room, like one of those mini good bounce houses you. that I loaned good out to a, a mom friend this summer. She was pregnant with her third and has two tiny little boys. And I was like, y'all need this trampoline or this uh, bounce house. And I set it up in her backyard and she just sat with all the fans on her and they just bounced their little hearts out. But yes, get that energy out, move those big muscles is what my mentor would say. And 
Yeah. Races around the garage. Yes. Those were always big hit. <laughs> yes. Set little goals. Like if I started seeing one brother bothering another brother or using techniques to get negative attention, kind of like yes. poking and things say, okay, I wonder if you could bounce on the trampoline 20 times in the next minute or whatever, set little Good. goals. Absolutely. But it is well, not easy. It's not well, easy to think of it. Cause I don't, I'm not that way. It's not. And, and that need isn't present in the same way for you. And, and, and again, hear me say it requires more work. I coached a mom yesterday to say, all right, she, her boys were wrestling a lot in a way that was starting to feel more destructive. And we talked about this whole phenomenon. I said, okay, what if we, what if you were to take the cushions off the couch and kind of pad the room almost <laughs> like it was wrestling mats and set a timer and create some space and time for them to just wrestle hard with each other. Mm -hmm. And there is something emotionally, here's some extra payoff beneficial about that. Not only are they working through some of this energy and maybe even some of the conflict in their relationship in a healthier way by this identified wrestling time instead of it just showing up in any given moment, but we're building the regulation muscle when we set a timer and then it goes off at some point and we say, okay, wrestling time's over. Mm. Anytime boys have to start and stop, you know, anytime they have to transition and reset, those are regulation building opportunities that are vital to his emotional development. So I love the intentionality and how you were approaching that. And I realized when I was sharing a lot of examples, I was speaking so much to younger boys with adolescent boys. I feel every bit as passionate, in fact, even more so because not only is it necessary for all the reasons we've named, but in that season, he has this buildup of testosterone during the wander stage, 13 to 17. He's going to experience five to seven surges of testosterone pouring through his body oh my a day, oh my a day, words. not a week, a day. And so he needs the physical release to channel that in healthy and constructive ways. Otherwise, there creates this buildup that will fuel the angst and the anger and the irritability that adolescents can navigate on a good day under the best of circumstances. So we can't pay enough attention to that. It's it's part of where I've been so grieved for the number of adolescent boys and families of adolescent boys I've talked to who've lost the outlet of the a sport they love, a physical outlet that is important to them and needed through this pandemic because that's a vital developmental need for an adolescent boy and to not have that. In fact, I remember consulting with a school on the front side and I said to them, you know, if it's not safe to host games, you know, football, basketball, soccer matches, those sorts of things, obviously we've got to always prioritize kids' safety and family safety. But if it's not safe to host games, I don't really even care if boys play games, if they can just still find a safe way to do practice. Like if they can just be mm -hmm. spread out on a field running laps and you can be yeah. training, that will accomplish so much of what they're needing developmentally. Scrimmage so, amongst yes. the, the same team. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, something to put that energy into Just weightlifting. As long as they've got yeah. the outlet, yes. yeah, that's really wise. Did yeah. they take your advice? You know, they did. It was amazing. In fact, even when they couldn't host those on campus, I loved how many coaches from this one school were sending out training programs to boys. And I think the parents were so incredibly grateful. Obviously, some boys weren't following through with that. I think a lot were because they realized I feel better when I do. And, you know, adolescent boys start to care more about their appearance in that space. So it's like, I don't want to get out of shape. You know, I don't want to show up whenever the pandemic does end back in my sport. And I haven't been doing any strength and conditioning for a long time. So yes, 
create, I was challenging coaches, just give them instructions on what you would be doing at practice if that could happen so they could at least be working off a program on their own to the best of their ability. Okay, moms, another way that we can pamper ourselves, especially as we had it, head into spring, is to take care of our hair. Maybe you have some hair goals. Maybe you're looking to kind of get your hair back on track after a rough winter, or you want to volumize, or you want to control oil or lengthen. Whatever your hair goals, I have an option for you. It is function of beauty. You basically go in and you take a quiz and it helps you kind of narrow down what you want for your hair. Then you get to choose, and this is the part I loved, the color of the product and the fragrance. Or you can go fragrance and dye free. And you even get to just select what little name goes on the side. Mine says for Heather. But you could do something fun and funky. Every ingredient in the Function of Beauty products is vegan and cruelty free. They never use sulfates or parabens. You can even go completely silicon free. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations. So if you want to go check it out and personalize your own formula for your body, for your skincare, for your hair, never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash DMA, take your quiz and save 20% off your order. That applies to the full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash DMA to let them know that I sent you and get 20% off your order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash DMA. So we, on the last time we talked, talked about how there is this spectrum of boy though. And there are those boys whose sports is not someplace where they get joy. They don't have that high level of energy that needs to be released. And I did have moms reach out. They say, how do I help a boy who is not interested in sports? They don't necessarily need that outlet in the same way. How do I help them connect socially when they're not involved in sports? It's a great question. And I would say first, I would argue even if they don't need it in the same way, they still need it. Hmm. mostly because of that phenomenon I just described with a buildup of testosterone. So even if he's not as energetic or doesn't have as strong a need, and I really am not at all concerned about boys who don't love an organized sport experience. I work with tons of families who don't, and that's okay. I just want him to have a physical outlet. That's really where I would encourage families to always put the emphasis. And, you know, in my mind, that's no different than all the basic foundational foundational needs that we know, you know, just nutrition and sleep and relationship with Christ and all these foundational things we want to be a part of our son's well-being. That's that's always in the list for me. So I think it's great to have boys each season pick a physical outlet if they aren't engaged in an organized sport. And you can do some great brainstorming with them. But I would consider, you know, I talk with parents about choosing battles and not choosing battles. And that's a battle worth choosing in my mind, because again, as he gets closer to pre and mid adolescence, the backup effect of that when he doesn't have that with consistency is not good for his emotional well-being, his mental well-being, his mental health. So that's vital for that reason. I would say the social connection piece is important as well. And it's a lot of what, you know, I have so many boys. I love when I hear boys say things to me like, you know, David, 
I'm not the best athlete on my team. I never will be. And I have boys in high school who are like, I'm probably not going to get a lot of playing time, but I love being a part of this team. Yeah. And I love when I hear that, you know, it's just this sense of, I still get something from the experience that's meaningful for me. And, you know, I think a sense of belonging, that's key relationships, that foundational need that kids have for social connection. So that, again, doesn't have to happen in an organized sports context, but it could happen. I have a group of dads right now who all four of them have sons who've test-driven different organized sports and couldn't find a place that was really a fit. And they happen to be in a school that's really competitive in sports and kind of only the kids who've been doing travel ball are getting opportunities to play. And so they grouped up together and they're training for a 5k um, you know and i love that and so they're doing runs with their sons and that's the outlet and you know every one of the dads would say it's actually helping me as much as it's helping him right now and i'm like great but you know the creative ways that i think we can approach this that fold in that physical outlet in those needed ways and giving yourself chances to try several different things. I mean, absolutely. Wrestle the the non-traditional but fantastic ways of wrestling tries. I've had some friends in a try club like yes. you know, running, biking, swimming. That's great. I think it's really interesting to hear you say that because it is hard to push through if there's not an interest. Mm-hmm. Back when you and I recorded 5 years ago, I would have I could not have imagined my oldest son playing anything close to football. Like that is the farthest thing from how he seemed to be wired. And now he's playing as a high schooler and he loves it. It's like his favorite thing. So you just never know moms, like you just try lots of things and, and they, they do change so much over time. So allowing them to change and grow and try new things. Okay. Speaking of changing and growing, had a mom reach out and uh, several of them, want to grow strong, kind, compassionate, good men. And I don't know if it's coming off of just a lot of stories of some really, some not so great men in leadership. Um, But I feel like there's a little bit of maybe pressure and ownership, like we were talking about earlier, on moms that I really want to do my best to grow a strong man and also realizing the amount of time they're spending with their dad is less than with the mom. So we might be doing school pickup and drop off and homework and, you know, we're around them during dinner time and then dad comes home or whatever it is. So how do we, as women, moms help shape the character of our sons? I'd first like to say that I want that too. I want that desperately. And so I love the different moms who ask about that. And I don't think we could be thinking enough about what it looks like to flood boys with opportunities to see spiritually and emotionally healthy adult men who are full of empathy and compassion and strength and who value, cherish, and honor women. And so I I am such an advocate of that as well. And it grieves me, Heather, with you that I think 
we probably never had to work harder to help anchor boys to those positive images. There are fewer and fewer that I think they get opportunities to see. So there's some hard work to be done with that. One of the ways, I think one of the easiest ways we can do that, I'm all about what are some easy ways to get to where we want to go. Boys love stories. And, you know, I, I think what reading books, obviously a lot of boys over time can grow out of that love. Unfortunately, it's much, but they can grow into a love of watching movies. About every boy I know loves movies. And so I would say take full advantage of that, of using that as a tool to help expose them to men who meet that criteria. And one of the things we've done on our Instagram account is we have a tab at the top called uh, Movies and Books, and we make recommendations for preschoolers, elementary age kids, middle schoolers and high schoolers of great books to read, great movies to watch with kids that accomplish several things. One, I think it exposes boys to a lot of, of these pictures we want them to see of men. And also, I think, helps develop critical thinking. These are the kinds of books and films that I think lend themselves to great conversation. And then also, they're emotionally layered. So there's just, you know, we're getting to flex those emotional muscles when they're watching these. So they're they're really substantive stories is what you're yeah. hearing me say. And I've got a lot of suggestions and wild things. We've got tons in Are My Kids on Track as well. So I'm all about that because I think it's an easy way. And it's it also is a great way to connect with kids like, hey, let's order pizza and watch a movie on Friday night. And so, you know, I think back to even re I, I rewatched some movies. We had so much time on our hands in 2020 <laughs> and couldn't go anywhere and the movie theaters were closed. So right. one of my sons was like, Hey, let's rewatch some movies we love, but haven't seen in a long time. And it fascinated me even revisiting those stories, you know? And so we rewatched just mercy again. Yeah. That's I, the one that popped in my head. Oh, my boys my were goodness. so inspired by that. Please, yes. every boy, every parent of a boy out there, have your son read that book and then watch that movie. Like what a man who and Brian Stevenson so embodies those things that we're discussing. But so many stories that I think can really create opportunity for that good exposure where we feel like we might be lacking in terms of anchoring him to that in real life. Yeah. Well, and we love using VidAngel. <laughs> Have you heard yes. of VidAngel? Yes. To filter like some of the movies that maybe my Brilliant. younger one isn't ready for, but my older ones are. And we just Brilliant. get rid of all the language and some yes. of the violence. I actually watched Shawshank Redemption with my older mm. two. Good for Goodness. You. Right. Good like for you. resilience in the face of injustice. And anyway, I think that's a great idea. And I love that you guys have that link. It's over at Raising Boys and Girls. It is raising boys and girls. Thank you. Put that link in the show notes and I'm looking at our time and I'm sad because it's coming to an end and I have 20,000 questions left. So that's a problem. Well, could we do it again? I mean, we need to, I think we need to. Okay. Just a real quick tip for the moms who are parenting boys who are strong leaders and have strong opinions and will be just great leaders in the future, but it's really hard to lead them now. Mm. And so it looks like backtalk and disrespect. How do we help them grow in that without shutting them down and belittling them in that gift? Yes. And still be respected. I'm glad the parent who asked that question is asking in that way, because we don't 
want to shut him down and we do want to channel that strength in a constructive direction and even back to the you know messy clumsy development it's just not any more instinctive for a boy to know how to use his voice for good and in a constructive, respectful way than it is for him to know how to swim in the deep end of the pool or ride a bike when he gets on the first time. Those are learned skills. And to even mention those, we all know that there's some kids who jump on a bike and it's like they always (laughs) have been there. They just knew what to do. And others who fall off and throw it in a ditch and say, I'm never doing this again. And, you know, get me out of the pool. I don't want to be a swimmer. Every kid's going to respond in new skills differently. But for those boys who are strong-willed, that could take longer for them to develop those skills. I will say, watch for where it's helpful to say things like, and, and this is even back to that clear, concrete, concise. I think it's even useful with boys who are real stuck in a pattern of arguing mm. to say, hey, buddy, because that's a trap for you. I'm going to, and this may throw you that I'm about to throw out this suggestion, but stay with me. I'm going to set my timer for 60 seconds, or I'm going to set my timer for two minutes, and I really want to hear your side. And then you're going to hear my side. Mm. And you won't interrupt me while I'm talking, just as I don't want to interrupt you while you're talking. And Or maybe it's I'm going to set the timer and we'll talk together, and then we're going to be done talking at that point. And again, that's another regulation tool. For him to have to learn the art of not just my mom, a female said we're done talking. That speaks back to that earlier question. Like, what does it look like when I have more things to say? Or what does it look like when I disagree? Or I feel like you're not hearing me. Hmm. And (laughs) let me just say as a side note, let's laugh at this one. Talking about boys and decoding. I did a whole video around this on Instagram one time. Like, One of the things I hear often from parents is that boys will say, you're just not listening to me. Yeah. And oftentimes that means you're not siding with me or you're not agreeing with me Uh, or you're just not letting me have unlimited screen time, whatever it may be. So (laughs) be very careful because I work with a lot of moms who are just remarkable listeners. And I don't think that's what that means at all. But that share to say boys can bait mothers back into conversations in a lot of back and forth under the umbrella of hearing me or letting me have a voice in ways that becomes not only not useful to him, but destructive. And what it teaches him to do is, especially in the context of relationship with a female, wear her down Mm. until she sides with you. Mm. Wear her down until she just gives in. And that's just never helpful to play that kind of emotional tug of war with a boy. So it's where I think it's really useful. And, you know, those boys obviously are great to channel them toward debate once they get to high school. And think about it in the context of debate, a timer goes off and you don't get to just keep talking because you had more to say. You actually get penalized Mm. in a formal debate when that happens. And so that regulation skill is vital for him within the context of all healthy interpersonal relationships. And we want the building blocks to begin being laid in our relationship with him. So helpful. Yeah. David. Oh, my lands. Would you, would you allow me to throw out one thing I thought of? I would love to. I would love you to. I realize I meant to say something. You were talking about introverted boys yeah and asking one of the questions and i realized i wanted to go back to that because i love that you brought that up you know according to the data and i don't quite know how we accurately measure this but about 52 percent of the world is extroverted about 48 percent introverted so let's just say roughly half and half and because the 52 is a little over half 
we're a world that I think just in how we work, how we're structured, bends toward extroversion. And so even that last question about lead or that earlier question about leadership, I think when I think of if I were to ask a room full of kids, describe a leader to me. I think kids would use words like strong, charismatic, bold, and they would be describing an extroverted leader because I think a lot of the examples they get of strength and leadership are what it looks like on an extrovert. And I think introverted kids end up feeling like they drew the short end of the stick sometimes in this world. Mm -hmm. So I love that you mentioned it because if you're listening and obviously about half of us have introverted kids, I don't think we can lean into that temperament enough and study it and help those kids and, and as we're talking about boys, help those boys really feel like they do have a voice and a place in this world, in a world that bends toward extroversion. And so to our question a little bit earlier about physical outlets, my experience is often, not always, but oftentimes those young men might find as they grow and develop that they might enjoy individualized sports a little bit more sometimes things like running cross country tennis golf think about the common denominator with a lot of those they involve a lot of quiet you know running in the woods walking the greens and so swimming is another but more individualized sports now some of them very much enjoy and i want them to move in whatever direction includes their interests but watch for where, where that might be the case and where some younger boys look like they don't like sports because more oftentimes all that we offer are organized i i had a little introverted eight-year-old guy tell me one time he hated playing soccer when he was six and seven and think about when we do soccer with kids that age how it's like eight games going on on one field and the parents are all crammed it you know and, and they're screaming and yelling and i thought that's like an introverted six-year-old boy's worst nightmare yeah. really it is like too much stimulation way too much noise and so yeah. he might find he loves sports later on when he can test drive some things that are a better fit but the the last thing i wanted to say about those boys as we talk about him emotionally is that what we know to be true about introverted kids in general is that they have a rich interior world. Mm-hmm. And my experience with those boys is they're substantive, they're deep waters. Yeah. And a lot of times they're old souls. And so we don't elevate that in our world when, when I think about particularly male leaders or male strength. And, and that is very problematic for me and something I want to push against. So I don't think we can define that enough for them. And again, flood them with examples Mm -hmm. of males in films and stories. I would also add, if you're a parent listening and this is resonating with you, one of my favorite books is a book by Susan Cain called Quiet. Yeah. I couldn't recommend that book to you enough. And she wrote a book for kids called Quiet Power. That's Mm. phenomenal. I wish Every introverted kid would read that book. Like it speaks to the amazing strengths of that temperament in ways that I think, oh, if this book had only been around 50 years ago, where every kid who grew up in the skin could have felt like, oh my goodness, I am normal. Yeah. And this yeah. is absolutely true about me. So I just wanted to throw that in uh, no, a great resource really and, and feels important to acknowledge for those kiddos. And I feel like adjectives to point out and at least the introverts in our home, there's the care that they take and the observation skills, just the thoughtfulness. I think positive reinforcement of some of those traits can help give them a place of belonging in your home. I could not agree more. I love calling that out with those boys. I, 
I name it like a superhero power. Like I'll say to those boys, when you talked about observant, you know, like I'll say sometimes like you have a spidey sense, don't you? Yeah. Like, you know, Spider-Man notices things going on in a room before other people do. That's true about you, isn't it? And and to see boys' shoulders lift a little bit when I describe it that way, like it's a superhero power. And it is. I'm not just fluffing them up in that. Like I'm very much speaking to a strength that I think you and I know as adults will benefit them greatly in this life. Like I think those boys make rock star husbands and fathers because they are intuitive and observant and dialed in and have their thumb on the pulse of what's going on around them and have this, as I said, rich, deep interior world that makes them remarkable human beings. So good for you for calling out the strengths of that. I don't think we can do enough of it. I'll take your encouragement anytime I can get it, David. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you, David, for being with us today. I'm going to point everyone to Raising Boys and Girls. Is it .com or .org? .com. Okay, .com. And you do not have Instagram because you're the smartest man in the world. You so, can find me on Instagram at Raising Boys and Girls. I, I make a lot of guest appearances there and have wise younger there. folks make sure I'm posting correctly. Well, thank you so much for encouraging us, moms. If you all have not checked out Wild Things or all the other books, we'll put all those links in the show notes that David mentioned. And we'll have him back on because I sooner than five years. Please, sooner than five years. Did I behave okay to get an invitation back today? You did. You did a great job. Thank you so much. So glad to be with you. Thanks y'all for listening in. For those of you who are regular loyal listeners and you are concerned about me down here in Texas, we so far have had some electrical outages, but have been able to stay well and um, fed. And so I'm super grateful Bruce and I were out of town when the storm hit. Our oldest son was out of town, and we are all back together at the recording of this outro, and the electricity's on, and we have water. So the simple things, you know, I feel like this last year, we have learned that we can be content in a variety of circumstances, and that there are things that we have taken for granted for years, and um, just finding a lot of gratitude. So... Uh, I'm going to pray for all of us, the boy moms. Um, the If you're a mom of a girl and you're just curious and listening in, we need you too. Uh, you are raising our son's future wives. And so uh, it is all big responsibility, but also just a relief that we can trust God over us doing everything exactly right. So Lord, I thank you that you have entrusted us with your children boys and girls. I thank you, God, that you see our hearts and our desires to raise men of character, men who will follow you first, men like David, who will be men after your own heart and will make mistakes, Lord. But we know that you are so good that no mistake is too far for you to redeem. We thank you, God, that We can trust you with these boys. I pray for us moms to release some of the ownership we take over their behavior and over their actions and that we can kind of transfer that to them as they become men. I pray, Lord, for wisdom every day in my words and my actions and for each mom represented here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Stay tuned uh, later in this week for that bonus episode. Um, I thank y'all for just 
you have done such a great job of sharing on Instagram, sharing with your friends and leaving reviews. So keep up the good work. We need you on our marketing team so that other moms can know that they are not alone and y'all are doing that. So go team. All right. Adios. See you here next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3:17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.